Hi, friends. How is everybody? Well, I'm excited. We're kicking off a new series today, and we're jumping into discipleship, and I'm so looking forward to these next six weeks. We're going to talk about the who, what, why, how, when of discipleship, and we're really going to dig in to what this looks like. We're going to throw out a vision and a definition for us, how to live individually as disciples, but also what this looks like for us in this great community that we have here at St. John. So I want to dig right into this, if you'll let me, and we're going to talk about gladiator games. We've all heard about these. We're going to go way back to 203 AD in Carthage where they would have gladiators go into the arenas. They would have wild animals go into the arenas and they would basically play around with criminals. What would happen is they would take criminals, they would sell them, and then they would take these people who deserved it or who weren't worthy to go in and basically be entertainment for the spectators to say, oh, kill them. They're not worthy. Just just destroy them. And so after the animals would kind of get through with them, then they would die at the gladiator sword because criminals were a lot less expensive than the gladiators were. Now, when these criminal, criminals went into the arena, they would scatter, right? Because it was fend for yourself. They probably thought if I can avoid the animal attacks, if I can avoid drawing any attention from the crowd, maybe, just maybe, they'll let me live. And so they would scatter, they would walk in fearfully, terrified of what was about to happen. Most of these people probably weren't hardcore criminals, and they didn't know how to pick up a sword. They didn't know how to defend themselves. They didn't know how to deal with wild animals attacking them. But they went in. Maybe some of them tried to fight back to have a little bit of honor at the very end of their life. But the specific folks I want to talk about, the criminals that we're going to visit today, are these two ladies. Their names are Saints Perpetua and Felicitas. These women have a writing called The Passion. And what it does is it details their journey of Christianity. And it talks mostly about their time in prison. And then the last few chapters were written by witnesses and friends who saw this fateful day in the arena in 203. So these women were catechumens, which meant they were preparing for baptism, and thankfully they received that baptism in prison. They had four others that were alongside them during this, four men. And so when they walked into the arena, they walked in joyful and confident. Instead of scattering, they stayed together communally as they had practiced over and over again in worship. They really were bonded together by their brothers and sisterhood through Christ. And they even tried at one point to make them put on costumes to pretend to be someone else and say, said they declined and they said, we will be who we are. And the men making eye contact, they always made eye contact with the crowd, but they looked at authorities and they said, what you do to us, God will do to you. They were bold, they were confident, and they were calm. After the animals had had their ways with them, the leopard had attacked their leader and a female cow had specifically went after these women and just gored them and mauled them and threw them up in the air and they were all scattered all over the arena and the crowd was done. They were like, okay, we've seen enough. You can go ahead and kill them. Die by the sword. Gladiator, finish them. But instead of laying where they were, they crawled or limped or picked themselves up and made their way back to each other. And Perpetua and Felicitas stood arm in arm, one a slave and one a high-standing citizen, together. And they exchanged the kiss of peace. A kiss of peace, 
that was habitual for them. It was embedded in their very fiber because they truly were sisters in Christ who had been through so much together, who loved each other dearly, and who were ready to die together in peace. And so they died. And I want to just note a couple things about them. So Felicitas had been a slave, and she was pregnant while she was in prison. And if you're pregnant, you couldn't go into the arena until after you had the baby to, you know, seal your fate. But she didn't want to do that alone. She didn't want to face her martyrdom unless she was with her people. And so they prayed together, the six of them, that she would give birth. And sure enough, she gave birth two days before she went into that arena and faced her death. Perpetua had a son who was still of nursing age, and her family would bring him to the prison each day so she could nurse him and be with him until she died. These women had lots to live for. All they had to do was denounce their faith. That is why they were criminals in this arena facing this horrible death because Christianity was a crime. All they had to do was say they didn't believe. But every choice they made that day, all of their behavior channeled into the one they served. They wanted Christ to be reflected that day and through their lives. And now I don't share this. I know we're talking about discipleship. And I don't share this story with you because the only way to be a disciple is to be a martyr. That's not the only way. I share this story because of the virtue that these women had that we too should aspire to have. And that's patience. I know nobody wants to talk about patience. Have you ever heard that? Don't pray for patience or you'll get it. Because we'll have to deal with challenges and all of these things that are going to grow patience and we're going to have to wait. We're going to have to just, you know, be very calm and just let God be God. It's very hard to do. And I'll tell you, there's been lots of irony in this series just preparing for it. It's called Unhurried. But I can tell you there's a lot of behind-the-scenes work that's been very hurried. <laughs> Kyle just called me yesterday. And we changed some songs up today, and he was like, you know, it's, I'm really sorry to do this today, and I know it's kind of stressful. And I said, oh, don't worry. This was 1 o'clock, and I had just finished my sermon yesterday. Because that's just the way life is. Life is crazy, and it's unpredictable. And this week for us had just been really, really tough. But God showed up. God delivered a message. He gave me one anyway, even though I was super, super crazy. So why do we talk about patience today? Why is patience important and why do we derive it from this great story of these two women? And it's because their behavior, their action in that arena facing their death is so, so close to the same behavior and action that we saw in Jesus when he faced his crucifixion. Calm, submissive, and on purpose. That comes from patience. And patience comes from trusting God and his plan. You see, we cannot be disciples without patience because it is rooted in God's character. It is who he is. And the reason why I know that, yes, this, this teaching was really stressful to get to, I know the rest of them are going to be too. Praying for you, Tom. 
<laughs> because the, the enemy doesn't want us talking about patience. The enemy doesn't want us talking about how to live our lives unhurried because he knows when we grow in our patience, when we start to experience that in our lives, that we are reflecting the very character of God through that. He doesn't want that. He doesn't want God to be reflected in our actions. And operating out of patience is no easy feat. We will all admit that. It's a process. But it's a process that comes out of continually succumbing and trusting in, his, in God's plan. Continually trusting that he will use our actions, our behaviors, our words in furthering his kingdom and building his kingdom. And to dig into this a little bit more, I want to talk about this process of fermentation. Now, a lot of us are familiar with this process. It can be done for a lot of things, beer, bourbon, bread, vegetables, you name it. Fermentation happens. And basically, in this process, there's a chemical breakdown of a substance because of action of enzymes. Now, in bread, which is what I'm going to talk about today, yeast converts sugar to carbon dioxide and yes, I'm being a scientist today, carbon dioxide and alcohol in the absence of oxygen so that the bread will rise. Don't ask me any questions, though. that's as far as I can go. Now, the longer that you allow this to happen, the more flavor it has. You get the bread that you look forward to at potlucks that that one special person makes, and you can't wait to get a slice of it. The shorter you allow this process to happen, you get the nice stale cardboard bread that you're just eating because you're starving and anything would be good at that point. So what is the most important ingredient in fermentation to get the result that you want? Patience. Just as you need patience to allow the fermentation process to work, we need patience to allow God to do his work. You can't force God's hand to do something. We can't run ahead of God if he doesn't want to go there. He's not going to follow us. And so why do I talk about this today? Why are we talking about this as a community? Why is this important for us as disciples? We're friends. Let's take a look at the world we live in. It is a little bit chaotic and a little bit of a hot mess. There have been fights on airplanes. It is crazy. And plus, going through TSA, I just get in the most nervous wreck. I'm, I'm hurrying, and I'm getting there, and then I get to the other side, and I'm like, okay, I've got an hour and a half. <laughs> but man, you're just rushing to get through, you know, all that stuff, all the security. And then we think about the grocery store, right? I'm going to tell you a story, and I know everybody in here is probably going to relate. But last week, we were doing some school shopping. Yes, I know, school started on Wednesday last week, but don't, don't judge me. So Monday, we could not find a box of 24 crayons and markers. What? Nowhere. I went to five stores, and finally, I went to a store, and hallelujah, praise you, Jesus, I found some. So, you know, Chris has got the kids in the car, I'm running around trying to get out, and I'm waiting in line. I go to the Speedy Checkout, because the Speedy Checkout is called the Speedy Checkout, and I want to get out of there quick. Well, friends, it just so happens. The slowest person on the face of the planet was checking people out of the speedy checkout lane. So what did I start doing? I started looking at the other lines. Okay, that one doesn't look so bad. Well, they don't have too much of a car. Oh, they just moved. Ooh. Oh, but I'll lose my line, and what if that one doesn't work? You know we're all guilty of this. 
we all do this when we go to the grocery store. We think, okay, I'm going to be methodical, and I'm going to plan this out, see which line's the best. I'm going to stand back just a minute, holistically check this out. We're always in a hurry. We don't want to wait. And then we think about our lives just in general. Our calendars, they're booked back to back to back. We're running from one place to another. We're forgetting about meetings. We're having to text people and say, hey, I'm running late. I love you, and I know you know me, and this is just what I do. And then we think about how instantaneous everything is for us. We watch the news, and not only have we got people talking to us, we've got something strolling on the bottom, and there's something on the side. News is all over the place in like four different ways watching one screen. And then we think about social media. Hey, I wonder how so-and-so is doing. Oh, you know what? I'll just get on social media and see if they've posted in a while because I haven't been on there, and I'm going to go troll and creep. And then we think about, oh, I want to buy something. Well, thank you, Amazon. I mean, if it's even prime, do you buy it? No, because you want that thing in two days, and sometimes you can get it in one. And then Google, the Internet. Chris and I were watching the Olympics a couple weeks ago, and we didn't even watch much of the Olympics because we were just Googling everything. Oh, you know what? I wonder how many medals we had in 2016. Or did they win a medal in 2016? Let's go back the whole time. And you know what? We had the information as soon as we plugged it in because it's at our fingerprints. It's right there. We don't want to wait. We don't want to, we want to know right now. You see, patience, it isn't a virtue anymore. It's a nuisance. We're used to getting things right now when we want it. And most of the things in our lives, we've gotten used to that. We've gotten used to it. So when things do happen, when the life stuff does happen, the setbacks enter in, we don't have the patience because <laughs> that's not the world we live in. We don't want it. We want to know right now. We want to buy it right now. We want to experience it right now. You see, Jesus didn't say, be a disciple, follow me, and life will be easy breezy and carefree. But sometimes we expect that. And the world will question us when bad things happen, when life is unfair, because all of this stuff is so easy in so many ways. And they'll say, where is your God? Where is your God? All this stuff's happening. And, well, you say you're a Christian. Where is your God? How do we respond? How do we respond to that? So I want to dig into our scripture today from 1 Peter 3, 13 through 16. Hear this word from God. Now, it will harm you if you are eager to do what is good. But even if you do suffer for doing what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear and do not be intimidated. But in your hearts, sanctify Christ as Lord. Always be ready to make your defense to anyone who demands from you an accounting for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and reverence. Keep your conscience clear so that when you are maligned, those who abuse you for your good conduct in Christ may be put to shame. That last line sounds a little bit like what those men were telling authority that day. What you do to me, God will do to you. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? So I want to highlight a few things from this scripture. And the first part of it is, in your hearts, sanctify Christ as Lord. Now, sanctification is this process that we have talked about several times. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more later on in this series and really dig into it. 
But sanctification is the process of becoming more like Christ. And in becoming more like Christ, now we know a very important character of that is patience. Jesus embodied patience. He was fully human, but fully God. He could have stopped his crucifixion in an instant, but he didn't. He could have quenched the evil that was in the religious institutions and the government that he exposed while he was on this planet, but he didn't. He knew God had a plan. He knew the Father had a plan. And he surrendered to that plan. He trusts that plan. And he was patient, knowing that the Father is going to work through that plan. And that plan is still here. We are still operating in God's plan, participating with God in that. Even when we don't get it, or we don't understand, or we don't get what we want. Sanctification means we are on a journey of change. And when we look back at the church, the universal church, the big C, we see how much the church has changed. It's changed immensely from when it was first founded. And it didn't change to blend in with culture. It changed so that in this process of fermentation, when a little bubble popped up or there was some action, that the church could be ready to act with God in that action. We have to be ready to meet God when he does show us where he is at work. We've got to be ready. We must change. Jesus makes that very clear through his own calling of his disciples and his instruction of those disciples, which don't worry, we're going to spend a lot of time talking about in this series. So are we sanctifying Christ as Lord in our hearts? Secondly, Always be ready to make your defense to anyone who demands from you an accounting of the hope that is in you. How do they notice there's a hope? How do they notice that there's something going on inside of you that's different? Through this step number one, the sanctification process. If we aren't being sanctified, then we're probably blending in with the world so much that nobody sees a difference. Nobody notices that we're different. Are people questioning how you can still be joyful or calm or live your lives unhurried? You see, Perpetua and her friends were different. They stood out, not in a flashy big way, but in a subtle, calm way. And while that whole arena didn't convert into Christianity that day or profess Jesus as their Lord and Savior, there were a few. There were a few who began to wonder. And isn't that how it starts? You just begin to wonder. And then what happens whenever we wonder? We start asking questions. And questions can get you in trouble, right? Especially in this day and age. Asking questions is a no-no. You just do what you're told. Stop asking questions. But Jesus was the master of questions. He answered questions with questions. He loves for us to ask questions. God created us to be intellectual and intelligent human beings who want information, who seek knowledge and wisdom. And so we have to dig in. 
We have to dig into the wise one so that we can receive his wisdom and his knowledge. So that when someone does notice a difference in us, because we have gone through this sanctification process and are growing more Christ-like, that we can answer, and not to, to point to ourselves, but to point to God. You see, we do live in an out-of-control, chaotic, broken world. But our hearts are content because we serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords who came and redeemed this broken world. And lastly, he says, when you are maligned, which is criticized, told to hush, slandered, made fun of, called hypocrites, bad-mouthed, you name it, you're experiencing it. And it's bad. But what does he say? When. Not if. When. This is going to happen. As Christians, we are warned over and over and over again. This isn't going to be an easy road for you. The world is going to hate you. And so when that happens, we shouldn't be surprised. God is telling us it's going to happen. So let's not be offended. Let's not be angry. Let's trust that God's plan is going as, as he told us it would go. He's giving us this warning now. What's Jesus say to do instead? Turn the other cheek. And maybe, just maybe, through that behavior, through reflecting God's character, even if we may not want it, he may be able to work through that behavior to help someone realize God's love so they can experience in themselves. Because, you know, God loves those hurting people who hurt people. And if they don't, if they don't change or see God as being their Savior and Jesus as being the one who died for them, then God will be the judge of that. That's not for us to judge. That's for God to judge. And so we have this beautiful dichotomy. This teaching is called relentless patience. And we have this beautiful dichotomy of living relentlessly in this world, relentlessly seeking God, relentlessly deepening our connection with Him, living in His Word and living out His Word, worshiping Him, coming into His presence, sharing in the great meal of communion together that He has given us, praying and serving. And we do those things relentlessly because out of that, He will shape our character to be more patient. And in that patience, it comes out of knowing and trusting that He is in control, that He is working in His time, which is unhurried, not our time, which is hurried, and that He is a victor over evil and death. We trust this process that God has, this process that's a lot like fermentation, that while we may not see a lot of action or a lot of those bubbles at the top letting us know that stuff's happening, that we still believe God is at work, which means we too have to stay at work. Let's pray. Oh, Father God, you are holy. And we bow at your throne today. 
We thank you for who you are and that you have allowed us the opportunity through your Holy Spirit to take on your great character, to take on your goodness, to partake in all that you have to offer. What an honor that is. And we don't take it lightly. We know we mess it up. We know that we muddy it, that we get it wrong. But God, we thank you that while, yes, we are trying to be patient, that you are patient. You are patient with us when we do keep making mistakes. We thank you that even though we fall so many times that you are there to pick us up, to help us be stronger, to encourage us, to give us peace and comfort. God, may this word absorb into our hearts and set us on fire so that we can go out into this world and be the disciples you have called us to be, pointing always to you, putting you first always, and allowing you, God, to change us to being more like Christ. God, we love you and we praise you and we lift these things to you in Jesus' holy name. Amen.